Welcome to the Five O'Clock Shadow, brought to you by sharenet.co.za. Today we're speaking to Petri Ridling-Hayes from Hiranya Capital Advisors in Cape Town. Petri, yesterday was a pretty good day, I thought. And this morning we came out of the blocks and we had a 1% gain, certainly on the futures at, at one point. I don't know where we got to on the all-share index itself, but um, it sort of fizzled out in the afternoon. What was the action? Yeah, so we had a bit of a fade. I mean, we ended up uh, down, what, 64 basis points on the spot market and on the future around uh, 67 basis points now as we speak as the trade futures are still trading. So um, there was a bit of a fade. I don't think there's too much momentum. I think we're heading into a, an area of the day, I mean, of the year where things are getting a bit more quiet. Uh, we did see some some trade war news, I suppose, that got us all excited uh, in the morning, which I think helped uh, spike the markets up. But uh, you know, as the course of the day kind of wound down, um, that excitement faded and so did the market. And we also had some uh, some news flow around um, sort of weaker growth and mutant inflation um, coming, to, coming into Europe, as well as more sort of, uh, you know, dovish sounds coming from the Fed in the US. And that kind of stuff weighing a little bit on, on markets and dragging us down. So, um it's actually been quite a tough day for the RAND. We've been fighting back very, very nicely on the RAND, but today we're trading, what, 13.94 as we speak. So mm. uh, we're busy slipping higher towards that 14 RAND level again. Um, so I think that we've had uh, a fairly decent bounce, um, but the, the momentum for, as we've seen for most of the month, which has been relatively negative, sort of continues. And we keep battering on this Aussie future level of 44,000. 400 is kind of the, the base of that level, and it seems as though we we wanting to go back down there and, and, and test it again. Yeah, I noticed the other day, actually, I was looking at the thing at around about 44,500 and looked at the 52-week low, which I think was 44,116, something like that. And it's almost like that 2640 level on the S&P. If those lows are taken out, then goodness knows what might happen. Yeah, but so that's what's interesting actually um, is that we, we had a, sp- a space where the Aussie in particular, the top 40 index, let's say our market at large uh went sideways for three years which was immensely frustrating for uh you know market participants and people expecting returns and the markets aren't really growing and it's it was really a terrible time and then we looked late last year and early this year we looked like we'd broken that three-year range and we had this three-year massive consolidation and from a technical perspective and all sorts of things, we looked like this place was going to absolutely rocket. We had Ramaphosa come in, Ramaphosa euphoria, that kind of situation. And we just rallied. Like it, was, it was mad. And we thought that, okay, you know, now this is finally, we've been lagging behind international markets for a large part. U.S. markets, developed world markets have been running and we've been going sideways. And in dollar terms, we're actually negative. So this is our, this is it. We're catching up. That Ramaphoria obviously didn't last. And now we've actually faded. I mean, we're down for the year in excess of around, you want to call it around 10%. And we've almost, we're not quite at the lows of that consolidation that we had for three years. So we still have to go some probably around another three or 4% lower from where we are now. And then we're straight back to the lows of that three-year consolidation. Mm. Um so that now becomes a four-year consolidation. We're we're sort of in the middle of the range of where we were trading historically over the last three years. So basically, we've made no progress in the last four years in the market, and that is tremendously frustrating. So if we take out these lows of around 44,500 on the Aussie, you know, we come down to 42,000 on the Aussie, on the future at least. Yes. Um, the, the index levels on the, on the spot market might be a bit different. But then we've, you know, we're back in that trading range. And from there, you know, maybe then we see a bounce and a retest of the highs and maybe a continuation of the, 
of the bull market. I'm I'm more bearish than that, though. Oh, the last time we spoke, which was a while ago now, you were a confirmed bull, but now you've uh, turned a tail. But obviously, markets change, all data dependent. You were talking about the market being quiet, and that's probably the end, I think, this week, the end of any of the stray results for the September year-end companies coming through. Omnia and Nampak, two old-school stocks, which you probably don't look at that very often, they came out with results. Just briefly update us on their price action, please. Uh, Omnia traded up very, very well today, 5.38%. So that's actually a very, very good performance from them. So those results, I'm assuming, were good. You're quite right. I didn't look at them. Nampak, not so lucky, 6.7% lower on the day. But these shares are actually relatively illiquid. So just looking sort of at the daily charts, you can see these moves. I mean, it opened, Nampak, for example, it opened this morning and it just was one-way traffic. It fell, it closed near the lows. So it just feels as if, you know, there's probably one or two big institutional players in Nampak that wants to get out and the share gets killed and the opposite applies on Omnia. So it's not the most uh, liquid stuff, but relatively big moves from, from both of them, which is great. Omnia, interestingly, opened up, traded all the way back down to yesterday's closing price and then ended higher on the day. So that's... Uh, I think there was quite a bit of opportunity in there. I'm sorry I missed that, to tell you the truth. Okay, well, let's have a look at some of the big moves up and down. On my list, I've got Imperial again, and the logistics companies have been doing well this week. Spa as well, Libhold, Motus, and Vukile right at the bottom there. And on the downside, a couple of the healthcare providers are in there, Mediclinic and Life Healthcare. And I noticed Netcare came out with an update on the payment of a special dividend. Any of those stocks that I've mentioned are worth having a look at? Yeah, so Imperial is actually quite an interesting one. Um, obviously, there's been a bit of a, a stock split situation where some of the things have been uh, taken out and unbundled and, and split up and so on. And since then, we've actually had tremendously bullish action from the stock. So I'm quite interested to see if we can take out, uh, and this is sort of really just technical trading, if we can take out the high that it made on the day after the stock split, um, which is at around, I don't want to give you the exact level. The high here is 68 Rand. If we can get, if this stock can get up and above 68 Rand, I mean, I think it's going to try, uh, it's going to try and close the gap, which is a massive gap. So I don't know. Interesting sort of situation. I think that many, many people out there are actually trying to, to bottom fish here and, and say that there's a lot of value here and they're, they're snapping it up. And you can see after that big, move from what 140 rand a share almost um, to like 65 rand kind of thing since then it's bounced tremendously strongly so mm. um so that was quite an interesting thing and it's nice to see it's now been sort of four days of, of very very strong price action there and i think that if you are looking for something to go up in a, in a market where you know the rest of the market is going down you know that there's only like 33 shares that are up for the whole year mm. um so i think that if you are looking for a santa claus rally uh, Imperial might be a good place to look. Okay, well, you've missed a bit of it, but uh, nonetheless, if this unbundling and this uh, corporate restructuring continues to unlock value, then why not? Why not go further? Just one uh, footnote to the South African malaise at the moment, and that is a headline I saw coming out just after four o'clock this afternoon. It says here, South Africa's taste halts Domino's and Starbucks store expansion. This is a small company. Obviously, it has credentials and it gave a good case. And that's why big companies like Domino's and Starbucks were interested in them representing them in the Republic of South Africa. But it says three things to me. Fierce, fierce competition in the coffee and fast food space. The SA consumer under pressure for relatively luxurious 
things like you know, fancy coffee. I've never been to a Starbucks in my life, and I never will. But a lot of people swear really? by it, and <laughs> never, never will. And it's not that good anyway. But you're not missing out. But I'm just surprised. Okay, and uh, also <laughs> her taste has bitten off more than it can chew. And I, it's a sad story because I've interviewed the CEO many times, but it just seems that there's got to be a period of consolidation here. And I can see someone coming in and doing something with that company. Look, I don't know. It's interesting because this has been sort of a topic for a for a while. I think that the quality of the product, especially in food products that South African consumers are used to, is a lot higher than the food product quality of the general food product in the U.S. I mean, you know, you eat the hot dogs in New York, for example. They're not the greatest, but people rave about them. And to tell you the truth, you're convinced you're eating street rat half the time. And that is considered quality food in the U.S., right? You can't um, beat a King Steers burger, I give you that. You can't beat a King Steers burger. You just can't. Um, so I think that those brands are going to struggle here because they're bringing in, you know, what feels almost like factory-made food. You know, the, the Starbucks coffee, some people swear by it, as you say, but I'll be honest with you, Seattle Coffee Company does, a lot, does it a lot better. Mm. Um, I'm not going to change my brand to a Starbucks and pay twice as much for coffee if I can go to the Seattle and I know that, you know, I know what I'm getting and I also know that I'm supporting a local brand. I think that, you know, if a consumer is stretched, they're not going to take what they deem an inferior product at a similar or higher price if they can take what they know and trust. So I think that they've come into a very difficult market to crack, actually. Uh, just like we find it difficult when our companies go overseas to crack those markets because it's so fundamentally different to what we know. So our market is different to what external brands know. Um, so the, the formula is, is, is fundamentally different. Some hope for the consumer, because you mentioned that they're very stretched, which they are. But, you know, over the last 10 years, household uh, sort of um, household debt to income has come down from 83% to, 62, so to 72%. So that's quite a big reduction. What's been happening is that, uh, you know, consumer confidence has been tremendously negative over the last five years. Um, where people have the disposition that things in future are going to get worse. Over the last two quarters, though, uh, that has swung positive for the first time in five years. So if we get a situation where uh, consumer sentiment can continue to stay positive and, 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 and that positivity increase, then perhaps we could see consumers going and saying, you know what, maybe I can take a little bit of debt to make these capital purchases again. And that could be something that could get the economy moving. So. Interesting sort of uh, side note, but um, but yeah, so I don't know. I think in the situation where most people are, uh, you know, predominantly in the in the disposition that they believe that things are going to get worse in their future, so their confidence, you know, their consumer, their economic confidence is still quite low. Um, it's going to be difficult for new brands to penetrate uh, into our market. I mean, we've seen even with clothing clothing brands, H and M, and that kind of stuff. We're all very excited when they come here. But we still shop at Mr. Price, <laughs> you know? Speak for yourself. Um, <laughs> well, fair enough. But, uh, you know, I think, that, I think that it's very difficult and it's very unfortunate um, that we see, uh, you know, these U.S. brands not actually surviving here. Okay, nice analysis. Thanks for looking over the JSE day with us on the 5 o'clock shadow. That was Pietri Riddlinghase from Herenia Capital Advisors. But before we go, let's have a look at the markets.
JSE finished the day like this, with the banks and financials both up slightly. Industrial shares nearly 1% weaker. Resources lost 1 and 3 quarters percent. Gold shares nearly 2% down. Platinum's 2 and a quarter percent in the red, and the all share itself fell by two thirds of a percent to 51,353. The rand under pressure 1393 against the US dollar, 1775 against the British pound, and 1574 against the euro, with the euro dollar 113 exactly. The gold price down 4 to 1218 an ounce in response to that stronger dollar. The platinum price, though unchanged at 8.42, and the oil price up for a change, up 41 cents per barrel to 61 dollars and five cents. Dow Jones in the states as we closed down 0.3 percent, and the FTSE down 0.2. These numbers, of course, brought to you by Shen at .co.za.